Welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles, the Oklahoman's Oklahoma State Athletics Podcast. I am your host, Scott Wright, joined by Barry Trammell, coming to you post-game after Oklahoma State's 24-3 dismantling of West Virginia. Um, I was uh, riding on the elevator, Barry, after, uh, after the game, going back up to the press box, and one of the West Virginia radio people described it as the most dominant 21-point win he's ever seen. And I think that's pretty accurate. That is pretty accurate. You know, they never put them away till the second half. But you got confident for the Cowboys pretty early. Because yeah. after the first drive, West Virginia literally did nothing the rest of the day offensively. Right. What did I tell you? Was it 55 yards they had in the first? On the first, first, first drive, drive was 55 yards. And then in for the next two and a half quarters, it was less than 50 yards. Right. So they crossed the 100-yard threshold midway through the fourth quarter um, only once more even got inside uh, i don't know if they even got in osu territory until the last drive of the game um, yeah it was and, it was and then they got stoned so it was it, neil brown the west virginia coach described it like this he said they consumed us they mm-hmm. just consumed us and that's exactly right it now west virginia is not a world beating offense we all know that but they put up 38 points and 490-something yards last week on Iowa State. Right. So they'd been playing well. The week before that, they had taken apart TCU, and the Cowboys just the Cowboys just just picked them apart. Yeah, it was uh, it was impressive for it to be, um, you know, a uh, I mean Oklahoma State was down three nothing after the first quarter, and it kind of kind of felt a, a, a little squishy. You didn't know what exactly was going to happen, but the offense started putting things together. And uh, the defense really, like you said, after that first drive, really put the clamps on, on West Virginia. And it was very impressive what they were, were able to do. Eight sacks on the day, the, uh, the most by the Cowboys since 2004, second most in, in program history in a single game. Uh, it uh, it felt like everybody was going to get a shot at, at Jarrett Deggy in the in the pocket. Um, Colin Clay got in there, added to his season leading sack total. He's up to five and a half now. Brock Martin added a couple of more to his total. He's up to four and a half now. Devin Harper got a couple of more, uh, and I can't remember who all. Uh, I can't remember the whole list. Cody Walterscheid got one. That's uh, that's how far down the list they got. Cody Walterscheid got in on the action. So um, the pass rush, I thought, was uh, was really the most impor- impressive thing of the day, of, of everything that Oklahoma State did well. The uh, the ability to rush Jarrett Daigie and get to him. Uh, I mean, there were a few times that he uh, he stepped out of some sacks and uh, and, and escaped, but, uh, but not very often, Barry. I'm going to give you a stat. I'm not sure I've ever seen anything like this before. I'm not. I'm correct on the yardage. I might be off on the plays, but I think West Virginia threw 24 passes. Does mm-hmm. that sound right? Sounds about right. I think they threw 24, and then you had um, eight sacks. Mm-hmm. So that's 32, and then you had three scrambles. Okay. So 35 pass plays. Right. For West Virginia. On those pass plays, combined. West Virginia made 66 yards. <laughs> wow. That's so wild. It is wild. And here's the deal. What the second play of the game, what was it, a 32-yard gain on that yeah. screen deal or whatever mm-hmm. it was? So it was just the kibosh. They put the kibosh on them is what they did. It was it was impressive. So, um, 
It was it was a dominating, dominating performance. Uh, Letty Brown uh, goes for 27 yards on 10 carries. You know, he's an accomplished tailback, had a really good career. He's had a good season. Um, and they just – it was it was something else. I had a longtime West Virginian in the press box, who's not one to be hyperbolic. He said, "This is this is the equal of the defenses we saw in the '80s and '90s when Penn State and Miami would come wow. in here." So he was he was bullish on the Cowboy D. I promise you. Well, uh, they gave uh, they gave him good reason to be that way. So. Um, you mentioned Letty Brown. He was a, a guy that you uh, kind of wondered what kind of day he might have. He's been a lot bigger part of the uh, the West Virginia offense the last couple of weeks. Had a couple of 100-yard games after uh, a little bit slower start. They were throwing the ball a lot more. Uh, Jared Dagey was leading the uh, the Big 12 in passing, still is, I assume, uh, because he had a pretty comfortable lead even with a, uh, uh, a less-than-stellar day today. But Letty Brown, uh, really, the way that they bottled him up was uh, was incredibly impressive uh, to uh, to contain him. And and like you said, they only got ten carries because West Virginia was playing from behind for uh, for the, the last three quarters. So trying to to find some kind of an answer to uh, to what the the Cowboys were doing on defense. And uh, back to the pass rush. One interesting thing that uh, that Jim Knowles pointed out. He hardly blitzed at all, and uh, you know, I mean, really, uh, he. I think he said he, he didn't blitz at all. Um, you know, I don't know what you qualify as a blitz if you if you're rushing a linebacker, if that uh, constitutes blitzing or not. Well, but, it does to me. I mean, but maybe he dropped into his own blitz when Harper went in there a little bit. Right. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but they didn't. He's right. They didn't blitz much. No. I mean, I never once wrote down blitz. Yeah. Other than. You know, when I saw Harper got a sack, it they clearly were going at him. One time they got him on a, I think it was like a third and eight, third and nine, and the Cowboys got him with a three-man rush. Yeah. So, you know, it was it was a monumental day for that for that front line, no doubt about it. Yeah, it really was. Um, you look over on the uh, on the other side of the ball, it uh, kind of felt like it might take the offense a little while to get going. They had the uh, the interception early. You wondered if uh, if that was going to be a uh, a detriment to them, uh, but uh, but Spencer Sanders came out of that didn't uh, didn't have one of those spirals that we've seen him have in the past where one interception turns into three, and uh, you know he kept his composure, played really well. I uh, I, I I thought about this and I made the comment early in the uh, the game to you. This is the first time Spencer Sanders has been on the, on the Cowboy roster for four seasons now. This is the first time he he had taken a snap against West Virginia. He was out last year with the ankle injury that he suffered against Tulsa. Then they played West Virginia in the second game. Shane Ellingworth quarterback that victory. The year before that, it was the uh, the hand injury against Kansas that uh, that knocked Spencer Sanders out. And Drew Brown, quarterback of that victory in Morgantown. The year before that, obviously Sanders was was redshirting, and Taylor Cornelius had the uh, had the the big victory over a seventh ranked West Virginia team with uh, Will Greer as their quarterback that came into uh, came into Stillwater. And uh, and before that, you had three straight Mason Rudolph victories over uh, over the Mountaineers. So what you're telling us is the Cowboys have won. Well, they've won. Seven in a row. Seven in a row against West Virginia, but 
The last five have come under five different quarterbacks. Yes, that's Mason exactly Rudolph, right. Corn Dog, Drew Brown, Shane Ellingworth, Spencer Sanders. And now Spencer Sanders. That's impressive. That is. It really is, and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of key defensive performances along the way there. Uh, West Virginia scored 13 each of the uh, previous two years prior to to, uh, to today. So, and then obviously three today. So, 29 points over three seasons uh, in uh, in games against West Virginia. Pretty impressive from the defense. But uh, but back to the offense. I thought. Jalen Warren was uh, was quietly effective. You leaned over to me at one point in the in the middle of I think the third quarter, and pointed out that that Warren was averaging over five yards a carry, and he in, ended up right at I think four point nine is what he finished at. But didn't it just seem like it. Didn't feel that way at all. But um, he got stuffed a little bit early. But then the uh, you know I thought a key point was uh, Casey Dunn sent him out in a uh, two wideout set with uh, their cowboy backs on each side offset off the line. Clearly a running formation, and they got back-to-back eight-yard gains pretty mm-hmm. early. Um, I think it was a third possession. It ended in a punt. But, you know, the Cowboys start with three and out, and then the interception off the screen pass. Right. And then they get backed up to their five- or six-yard line. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do much. They didn't score on that drive, but they took that ball all the way to midfield or so and punted. Right. With some good runs by Warren, I thought that was that sort of I don't know what the word was. It sort of established the uh, the field position. Mm-hmm. You know, they sort of planted their flag and said, "You know what? We're going to control this game. You guys yeah. aren't. We're not. You know, we're not going to play back there up against our end zone. We're going to play up against yours." So um, I thought that was really uh, a big a big series and, and Warren's runs ended up being pretty solid. I think the tailbacks ended up with a decent uh, over four yards of carry. And in a yeah. game like this, that's plenty. You know, you don't – this was not a track meet. This was a this was a, uh, a tug of war, and, and the Cowboys were in great shape. I mentioned Sanders had the uh, the early pick but bounced back from that. That interception was, uh, was one of the more impressive plays you're going to see from a defensive lineman, Dante Sills. That was a, uh, a big-time play, reaching up and tipping that screen pass. He read it perfectly, uh, he diagnosed it, and then uh, and then made the play as well. I thought that was uh, – Well, he's uh, a big-time player. He Lee. is. He is. He's a serious-minded individual. Yes, he is. And and he had a uh, had a big game, uh, obviously not uh, as big as he would have liked, but um, but still made some, uh, some pretty impressive plays, that interception being one of them. So um, – the receivers were impressive across the board. I thought Tay Martin had the uh, the two big catches for touchdowns on the uh, the fades uh, that were both really good throws from Sanders. Um, you could tell Sanders uh, Sanders kind of knows his history of the uh, of the fade route at Oklahoma State. He uh, he said it's a tradition at Oklahoma State to throw the fade, and uh, you can uh, go back through all the. Uh, all the combos that have connected on those types of passes, uh, really under the uh, the uh, throughout the Gundy tenure, they've had uh, lots of receivers that uh, that could catch that pass and lots of quarterbacks who could throw it well. And I thought Sanders threw it incredibly well today, and and probably could have thrown it a couple more times. Yeah, Casey Dunn said he went conservative, but um, but he did he did throw very well. Um, you know, three of the true freshmen had catches. Mm-hmm. Brennan Presley had an outstanding catch 
Sanders seemed to know where he's throwing it, but he threw a fairly cross-field out pattern right. in Presley's direction right over the head of a, re, of a defender who was much closer to Presley than he was to Sanders, which very dangerous. But, um, but he threw it so high that no way was the defender going to get it, and only those calves of Presley could go up and <laughs> grab it, and he did for a nice, nice grab. So it was a strong day by the receivers. Presley had one drop on a crossing pattern he should have had, but otherwise – Pretty dang good, pretty dang good effort. Blaine Green, Bryson Green, Bray, all those guys had had catches today. Yeah, and um, you can tell that Gundy is getting more and more excited about what those guys are doing. He talked uh, very glowingly about uh, the work that they're doing now that they're all healthy. You know, all three of them have missed games because of injury. Blaine Green missed the first two games of the season, and then uh, then Bryson got hurt at uh, Boise State and missed a few games. Bray got hurt after the Tulsa game, or during the Tulsa game, and missed some, uh, missed some time after that. Uh, Bray only had, that, that was only his second catch since the Tulsa game in week two, so uh, really, uh, really impressive. But uh, but Gundy looks at, at that trio plus Brennan Presley uh, as kind of the future of this group, and they see a, a really impressive four wide that they're going to be able to put out on the field for uh, for days to come for years to come so it's a uh, it's a scary group so there's a, there's going to be a day where we're talking about you know, remember when those guys were freshmen and they had all of those guys in the in the you know the same wide receiver room it's uh, it's going to be an impressive group so a um, couple of things i wanted to bring up yeah of a little bit of an auxiliary situation one is Happiest guy after the game might have been Josh Sills. <laughs> I saw him on the field. He was he was doing some hugging, not of his old West Virginia teammates, of his current OSU teammates. He was very happy to to knock off the Mountaineers. You know, he's he he uh, transferred a couple of years ago from from West Virginia, and it's uh, I don't know that it was the most gracious transfer. It was pretty contentious. It sounds like. So he was really happy to get that victory. He enjoyed himself. And a familiar face on the sidelines before the game, during the game. Even talked to Mike Gundy at halftime. Uh, Mason Rudolph drove down from Pittsburgh, spent some time with the Cowboys and enjoyed the game, and probably sat there thinking, man, if I'd only had a defense like this when I was quarterbacking <laughs> the Cowboys. Yeah. He, uh, he certainly was, uh, was probably wishing that for sure. They'd had uh, you put that defense with the offense that uh, that he was putting on the field back then, and uh, that would be a uh, a really scary team. Mason, uh, I, I crossed paths with him just uh, just on the way uh, on the way to uh, the locker room or to, oh, you did. to the interview room, and uh, had on some cowboy boots. Did he really? Well, he's pleasing. He's he's playing the he's playing the role. He's he playing the role. He is. Absolutely is. Um, but, yeah, said that uh, he got to visit – or Gundy said that he got to visit with Mason and uh, talked to him for a little bit. Sounded like uh, like maybe Spencer had uh, at least interacted with him on some level uh, as well. So it's, uh, it's cool to see the uh, the guys like that come back and, uh, and support the team. So really uh really a neat neat sight and uh, an exciting thing for the young guys i think the, for the players on the team to see 
a guy that's a pro and been in the league, been gone for, for four years now, still care enough to come back and be on the sidelines for them. Yeah. At, uh, he clearly enjoyed himself. I mean, he stayed. You know, he could have left after the yeah. junior year, came back for that senior year. So, yeah, he's um, – it, 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 it was a fun trip, and um, it was a cool day. At uh, The weather was fantastic, mid-50s. Yes, it was. Uh, beautiful sunshine, great setting. Um, West Virginia retired the jersey number of one of their all-time heroes, Major Harris, mm-hmm. who is uh, the quarterback of the 88 team, which played Notre Dame for the national championship. And in 87, OSU beats West Virginia in the Sun Bowl, That's 35-33. Right. The quarterbacks in that game, Major Harris and Mike Gundy. Mm-hmm. And when they announced uh, Major Harris, Gundy trots over there. It's during a timeout in the at the end, between the first and second quarter, I think. Yes. Gundy trots over there and shakes hands with Major Harris. So, um, two old combatants uh, reunited on on uh, Mountaineer Field. So, that was sort of a cool moment there. Yeah, it was. And I thought uh, Gundy's story about the bus driver, who uh, who was a, a former West Virginia player from what it sounded like, um, said that uh, he's been driving them every, every year they come out here for uh, as long as he can remember. And always keeps Gundy up to date on uh, on what former players are doing. Said that uh, Major Harris is doing some uh, some TV commercials these days and uh, and things like that in the area. So uh, interesting you know, they, stuff. The, the Mountaineers have a decent history of quarterbacking. Major Harris was great. Pat White, right back in the old seven season when they were so good, he was an outstanding quarterback. Will Greer was big time. Geno Smith was big time. Not really saying anything about the current. West Virginia quarterbacking. Yeah, uh, no. Jarrett Dagey, bless his heart, he's just not that good of a quarterback. He throws about as good as Spencer Sanders, which is fine, but he can't move much at all. And think about how much time Spencer can can buy himself and how many plays he makes with his feet. Jarrett Dagey does not do that. So in modern football, if you're not if you're going to be a statue back there, you better sling it around like you know Mason Rudolph yes, or somebody. Exactly. So. Um, you know Brandon Whedon, and and Daggy doesn't do that, and that's that really limits the West Virginia offense. But again, they were great. They were great uh, last week against Iowa State, which you know Iowa State is pretty good on defense. They you know, beat OSU twenty four twenty one or whatever twenty four twenty twenty four twenty, and you know as as we're doing the podcast, they're putting a putting a hurt on Texas. That's right, seventeen seven or twenty four seven in the third quarter. So. Iowa State's got some defense, mm-hmm. and West Virginia lit them up last week. Uh, there's no lighting up in Morgantown, though. No, no, there's not. Um, one other important factor that I think uh, I think played a a big role today was uh, was Oklahoma State's special teams coverage. Um, Very good. Their their coverage on kickoffs. West Virginia was determined to uh, to to get a big play on a kickoff. Yeah, they, they kept running hard. it back, even when they go in the end zone. They kept running it back, and they never got it out to the twenty-five. No, and on a day when field position was everything, it seemed like or maybe maybe pretty early they realized, hey, this isn't going to work out for us when we're snapping the ball. Maybe we better <laughs> maybe so kick catch a kick and and do something with it. Yeah, you might be right on that. Uh, they were definitely determined to try to make something happen in the kicking game, and then Tom Hutton, uh, on the punting side of things, uh, made things made life difficult for uh, for West Virginia as well. Six punts, four of them down inside the twenty, 
uh, one that was muffed and uh, and Oklahoma State recovered. It was a, a big flip in field position there. So, uh, really impressive day from uh, from Hutton to uh, you know when the uh, when the the opposing coach is talking about your punter in uh, in in his post game comments. You know uh, you know you've done something right at that point. Well, and here's another one is uh, also on the on that um, special teams they get the fumble on the punt return. Set up a short field, mm-hmm. so uh, I thought it, the special teams were very, you know, clearly in OSU's favor on a day when they didn't need it. It just it made life even easier. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely did. All right, looking ahead now, TCU uh, becomes a a very intriguing game with uh, with them playing the way that they did against Baylor today. That was an impressive victory, and uh, apparently Chandler Morris has had himself a day from uh, from what you guys were telling me. Well, now TCU's got to sit down and figure out, was their problem Max Dugan or was their problem Gary Patterson? Because they got a new coach, new quarterback, and all of a sudden they're beating Baylor. <laughs> so um, it's a case of uh, Chandler Morris, the OU transfer. I never saw him as a top-flight prospect, but clearly he sounds like a pretty good, pretty good quarterback. So we'll see. Um, Baylor's defense is pretty good. It's not an OSU's class, but it's pretty good, and he had a field day. So we'll see. But I don't like his chances necessarily of of, uh, repeating that against the Cowboys. They're they're playing at an all-time high. Yeah, they are. Now, that said, TCU has had their number. They've won three of the last four uh, and been underdogs in all three of uh, of the games they won. So... Uh, I would expect that they'll be underdogs again next week. It's a big week at Oklahoma State. They're uh, they're doing the blackout, to uh, so you assume that Oklahoma State will be in all black uniforms, asking the crowd to black out the stadium. And uh, Barry Sanders is being honored. Uh, he'll go up in the Ring of Honor. So uh, so it's going to be an exciting day, a big day at Boone Pickens Stadium on Saturday. All right, Barry. That brings me to uh, to my favorite segment, the most important thing I forgot. Anything, uh, anything sticking out to you that uh, that we've left hanging out there? I'm going to say the uniforms were spectacular today. That was a big time good they, uniform. They went with a, went, they went with the vibrant orange helmet, the white jersey, the vibrant orange pants. Mm-hmm. Spectacular. But what it's interesting is, you know, we're let, we're in November. You're in a, uh, you know, you got a two thirty game, so the sun will be setting. Right. So the game started out mostly in sunlight. Mm-hmm. With some shadows, but the more it went, the deeper into the game, the more shadows it got. And those dang OSU uniforms, the ones in the in the sunlight look completely different than the ones in the shadows. <laughs> yeah. So it was a strange phenomenon. Um, it was the shiny orange helmet. So, um, but when it was in the sunlight, it was spectacular. I mean, it, I thought it was just fabulous. So uh, again, West Virginia cooperated by going white, blue, white. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have. You know, no clothes had had two whites going on. Right. We had, we had one orange, one white helmet. We had one blue, one white jersey. Right. We had one orange, one white pants. So I thought it was a, a, an outstanding contrast. It was. It was good stuff, and I really enjoyed the uh, the OSU uniforms. Like I said, should be all black next week. First time they've done that this season, and uh, at least uh, you anticipate that with the blackout. So uh, should have the, uh, the folks fired up for that one. So. All right, with that, we will shut it down here on the Cowboy Chronicles podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.